0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now. This week, I am Langston Khan, a senior teacher of the cycle teachings. And your host for this week's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Christina again as part of this three-part series around working with the heart and our emotions. So let's start with moving into prayer together. So I call out to your ancestors and to mine, those ancestors who lived and died well, those non-human ancestors who dreamed our ancestors into existence, and the spirits the land, please help us to surrender more and more to our own true nature and authenticity. I offer gratitude to the earth and its dreaming. And from that place of gratitude, we take a moment to extend down into the center of the earth, reaching into that place where things that draw power from darkness and solitude and silence dwell, resting our hearts in that energy of restoration and nourishment and replenishment, allowing us to dissolve all our thoughts about who we think we are, who we think we need to be, and the ways we try to control and manage our heart tightly and letting that big, beautiful truth of the wild, courageous heart that is already here in all of us rise up into experience and expression within us. And from that place of resting into the pleasure of the truth of who we are, we draw up that wisdom of manifestation from that dream of the earth In feeling that wisdom, we sense into the belonging to our ancestors in this time that we chose to come here and to our human family and our connection and deep responsibility for tending those connections with the human and more than human world. Earth, please teach us how to step into true spiritual adulthood. So we can stop allowing children to be born without elders and stop abandoning our hearts and unconsciously manifesting nightmares. Help us to learn how to engage our hearts fully in a way that lets us create the vision that our heart knows is possible. And from there, we reach up to the highest power of the universe Drawing down the energies from the above of that great mystery of the sun, the moon, and the stars, that blessing, energy, protection, generosity, and purification, allowing ourselves to fill with it and releasing anything that doesn't serve us, that doesn't resonate with that energy. And as these two big lovers come together within us, the heavens and the earth, we just take a moment to remember that each moment is an opportunity for us to move as an expression of the legendary love of these two lovers. And let these two energies move together in our heart and give birth the unique energy of why we are here now together at this time. May we all have what we need to share our love with the world in the form of the gifts of our soul's purpose so that the ones who are coming will be able to build upon the gifts we have shared and share their own beauty with the world. So, welcome, Christina.
1: Well, thank you, Langston.
0: Thanks for... Having me in this role of interviewing you and speaking with us all about the heart this week, I wanted to take a moment just to review a bit. So, last week we talked, we kind of just set the territory a bit that we're discussing. We started exploring, like, what exactly are emotions? What are their purpose? What is the heart? What makes it so special? Why do we keep talking about the heart? And we talked about some of the ways that the heart and the emotions have been kind of sidelined or deprioritized or abandoned in a lot of spheres of contemporary culture and why that might be and how different that is from many pre-contact indigenous cultures around the world. And so now, this week, I wanted to move with you into really the nitty-gritty of what reclaiming an authentic relationship with our emotions and our heart might look like on a daily basis, in our relationships, in the way we do our work in the world. And once we start doing that, then what are we responsible for tending in relationship to our authentic emotional response? You know, how can we actually be true adults in our relationship with our hearts? And I guess one thing that was making me think about this a lot coming to this show was this... um, piece that sonia renee taylor the author of the body is not an apology um did on instagram a few weeks ago about um the problem with the word ally and the sense that when we're looking for allies we are implying that there's people that aren't connected to us already and need to be connected to us But in actuality, you know, from a shamanic perspective, we're all connected. We're all both unique, beautiful, brilliant individual beings and also one. And we're all in relationship to each other, we so quickly and painfully saw during this pandemic. Um, And so what our responsibility, which we also saw during this pandemic, is, is not to make Connection. The connections are already there, but to become conscious of connections we are unconscious of, and choose to tend to those connections as you know responsible, compassionate adults, um, versus manipulating those connections or you know engaging those connections vampirically or parasitically just to feed us while allowing others to suffer. And. That was just making me think a lot about our responsibility to our own hearts and our emotions when we're all connected to each other. You know, we're trying to go on this authentic journey of expressing ourselves honestly and truthfully. But so often, you know, when we try to go there, I think our first place is we start saying, well, I'm just expressing my truth, you know, so as an excuse to bludgeon people <laughs> with with whatever we want to say or express in the moment, or I'm just feeling really emotional right now so I can take out my emotions on you and vomit them all over you. So I'm just curious if you'd like to start talking a little bit about that kind of problem space of how how we begin to really own and embrace our wildness of our emotions while also honoring and tending our connections to each other.
1: Yeah, it's such a, it's like so many really important elements to just that one kind of question and a response. Um, And so, so connecting back to that, you know, to the Instagram post and just the, the, the deep wisdom and insight in it, 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 listening to it put, put me in that realization that, you know, we're talking about. Decolonizing the mind, in general, as a, as a as a as a Black Lives Matter inspired, long overdue conversation, and I would hope that everyone listening to the show is also educating themselves by reading books that may be hard to read to really come to understand the lies and the gaslighting and the um, incredible amount of. Um, gaming <laughs> it's really the the creation of this myth of of america and white superiority right and and so but my point about all of that is if you're if you're doing that work you're starting to see this pattern emerge which is this pattern of um just righteously taking this stance of being the mature adult in the situation and putting everybody who doesn't look like you and act like you down without actually looking at why factually why other people maybe don't look like you but also why they're not able to act like you you know the idea of calling slaves sitting on a porch drinking lemonade and calling your slaves lazy (laughs) that's just like what? So, anyway, but my point is about this, this, this quality of relationship is if we look at all that's coming out of this, which is an understanding around intersectionality, how if we can actually create a way of being in the world that um, makes it um, fair, just, um, supportive, and robustly wonderful for the person who is sort of the most intersectional person, then we'll solve it for everybody but my my point in this, what I'm trying to get at is we can take that a step further, and I say this, not to take anything away from the people that suffer at that crossroads of intersectionality in our current culture, because that is a place of a lot of suffering, is that the most intersectional aspect of who we are as humans is our heart and our emotions. And that 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 the the colonization by the mind, of the heart that is underlying all of this, philosophy brought over, um, thank you, Descartes, and thank you, you know, Judeo-Christian religion, like this, this, this colonization by the mind of the heart is this legacy, and then we're watching how it rolls out into all of these different systems of oppression, systems of injustice, that, that are, are basically kept in place simply by somebody righteously standing up and saying that's true (laughs) like no evidence no facts you know so as science rises up and undermines this um understanding it's not changing people's thinking and I'm bringing this up because it actually does relate to what I see as what it actually means to be an adult with a heart and a mind right is 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 we can't tolerate that that behavior anymore essentially and so I'm not making this point very well but the point I'm trying to get at is this larger social conversation and cultural conversation we need to be having there it's it's the same from a pattern perspective it's the same conversation and so if we can come to understand racism for example we can also come to understand this colonization of the heart and this this naming to simply labeling the heart and our emotions as childish it's the same as label same thinking that allows educated intelligent people to simply label black people as childish it's just, it's it, it we have one problem to solve and it's this, this problem is the quality of our relationship with our heart and our emotions and how those work together with the capacity of our mind in our physical human being bodies to manifest the spiritual destiny that we all share. Right, that that any path forward that doesn't acknowledge the need to create quality relationship internally in each human being, in all four of those wisdom bodies, and understand how they work together with no one single wisdom body colonizing the others, right? When we come to understand that, we will be the people that are capable of coming up with the the healing, the repair, the changes, the, the world that allows us to uh, that we need to build that would be a world in which human beings no matter how they present no matter how they identify yada 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 can simply be here together on this planet that we all share and be sovereign beings everyone with a purpose that is equally as valuable as everyone else's and recognize that the one true sin is to stand in the way of another human being's ability to live their purpose, to live their destiny. And that all of these systems of oppression, including this one we're talking about, which is the essential permission for the mind to colonize the heart, and 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 label emotions childish and something we need to grow out of, essentially, that that, that whole effort really is um anyway my point is it's all the same it's all, it's all the same effort it's just the creating the the quality of our connections within ourself allows us to change the quality of our connections with each other as long as i colonize my own heart and my emotions i am gonna i am gonna inappropriately discern any intense experience that's going on in the world around me and right now pretty much everything going on in the world around us is pretty intense right so if i need to get right with what's going on in the world and become part of the solution and not be part perpetuating the problem i have to change my relationship with my heart and my emotions there's no other way Mm -hmm. And I I try to not, you know, be a dictator about things, but I feel like this is the sum total of my entire adult life as I see where all of these different systems have gone. Political, social, psychological, everything is coming to the same place of realizing the fundamental problem we are all dealing with is our willingness to abandon the responsibility For the quality of our connections to things. Mm. that, That is the fundamental problem in all of it. And where we all begin in that place where the inner, you know, the outer is forced to reflect the inner. We are most powerful transforming the inner. So the place that we are most able to create change first is within ourselves. And it's essential or... All of that work we do in the outer world doesn't create something new, right? And so this is what, this is my last point and then I'll shut up (laughs) because I'm I'm ranting now, but it is the thing I see now in this new version of politically correct language that's starting to come in. We're, We're making the exact same mistake we made after the civil rights movement in the United States. So I'm speaking now for the United States, is instead of actually dealing with the deep underlying emotions and philosophy and um, lies and bad ideas that that supported the lack of civil rights, we just police people's language. And now look at us, right? We just we just put that blanket over what was going on. And I see this now, even in my own community, this desire to just revert to policing the language instead of being willing to. To to have some hardiness and and resiliency around people messing up language and actually deal with the connections, the quality of the connections and the relationships, because sort of honorable speech will rise out of that. But if all we're going to do is now police everybody's language and refuse to talk to somebody because they didn't get something right, you know, now we're back to the exact kind of behavior that justifies the mind colonizing the (laughs) the childish emotions because that's frankly really childish i know you're tired of it but it's childish emotionally right and so so this is if we can't grasp this thing you and i are trying to talk about and frankly we've committed as many shows as necessary to talk about it because if we can't do this whatever we build isn't going to be different
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate that um, point about the you know, importance of not just policing language, but looking at how do I fundamentally change the quality of my connections and relationships, especially with those who have different levels of rank, privilege, and power that I do in our current culture that I'm inhabiting are in my spheres of influence. And I think part of the issue with that is we're all very overwhelmed with the way information is constantly colonizing all of us, you know, these huge amounts of information that are pouring into us from social media all the time. And within that, the huge amounts of relationships that are some, you know, very shallow relationships, some more impactful, but in this realm of, you know, social media, for just to give one example, all of those relationships potentially seem to have the same impact on it. So I think we get really overwhelmed with the idea of actually changing the quality of all of those connections. But I think that points to how even more so how important it is to start with changing our quality of connection with our own hearts, which then allows us to change how we show up in all of our relationships at a fundamental level. And so with that understanding, I guess I'm curious if you could talk a bit about, you know, I feel like there's so few reference for what health and wholeness around our emotions even looks like. So I'm curious, like, if you could talk about, like, what how, what would you think characterizes an authentic emotional response?
1: Okay, so an authentic emotional response can be different from your True in the moment emotional response. In other words, just sort of true to yourself in the moment. Because in the moment, if I am being driven by unresolved issues from my past, which frankly, unless you've done work around that consciously and intentionally, you are. It is the nature of contemporary human beings that we are driven by an unresolved past because we are not initiated into adulthood. So it, it, it's like that's the first first grown-up thing to do, right, is to accept I am not at zero, I'm not at level playing field, that I am most likely below that and being driven by unresolved uh, issues from the past, which can then be compounded by that constant daily input of what is actually problematic in the world today. Okay, so the first, the first hallmark of an authentic emotional response is that it's actually a response to the moment and not a reaction. Because reactions come out of the past. Responses happen in the moment. And, and, and then I wanna stop right there because that leads many people directly into spiritual bypass right? I'm going to now go meditate myself or zen myself or whatever myself in to a place where I no longer react to anything. Of course, that also means you no longer respond to anything. And so, flat emotional flatline is not what I'm talking about. An emotional flatline is a trauma response. Emotional flatline is not the result of your um, wonderful spiritual work. It is Uh, um, uh, 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 a way in which the mind is tricking you into (laughs) continuing to colonize your heart okay so so what I'm talking about is that willingness through our spiritual practice whatever it might be to return to within ourselves return to the person inside of me who is reacting to the moment that person inside of me is most often younger than I am, but not necessarily. Someone in me is reacting emotionally to this moment, which is unfair to everybody else in the moment. And that's a really, really grown-up, healthy relationship thing to under, understand, is by projecting my unresolved stuff onto everybody else in this moment, I am forcing everybody else to do labor for me. So, so the first thing about this, this quality of an authentic emotional response is that in my spiritual work, I have used it to get right with myself, right with all of those places for whatever reason in the past, I couldn't do what I needed to do, which basically is a lot of childhood, we, we're kids, we, you know, we, we're not able to do what we need to do. So there's, there's work to be done there to, to come now as an adult to write those past relationships with myself because I can do that for myself to be able to release that old emotional patterned response to things that creates the reaction, right? So I, I have the power to release myself from the momentum of my patterns of reaction emotionally would be a way to say that. And that is actually the first job of any true spiritual or religious practice that you engage in is to get you into the actual moment would be the you know the lingo for that and so by by that kind of self-reflection and the skills to be able to meet myself in 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 the patterns of reaction that I hold and to bring what I need now that debt to myself right and get right with myself then it brings me back to the moment and I have a possibility now in that moment to actually respond and part of the reason that work is important is because our life today even even without the emotional overwhelm you were just talking about just from media the the way power moves through our world right now, human being power moves through our world right now, gives you a daily reason to have a strong emotional response to injustice, to um, a lack of freedom, to um, just, just huge doses of... Um, ignorance disguised in, in fundamental righteous thinking that just, just block people's capacity to move towards their destiny, right? which is exactly the opposite of what community is supposed to be doing, right? And so, the point, that, you know, like the first hallmark of this healthy emotional response is to actually be able to respond in the moment in a way that is emotional and then in an emotional response it may be extremely intense but it doesn't take my brain offline it doesn't take my life offline in other words what I see a lot of people doing these days is basically I'm I'm having a big emotional process and I just I can't you know I can't parent my children I can't go to work I can't do whatever and while I have empathy for the fact that you may be having that big of an emotional reaction to things it is still a reaction when we are responding as as emotionally mature spiritual adults we can have really intense emotional responses that are totally um a healthy, accurate response to what we're experiencing in our life. And it helps to guide us in understanding what's actually going on and what's an appropriate response for me in this moment. And so when, when, in other words, when the moment is being flooded by reaction that is being driven by patterns from the past, effective in the real world, and, and understanding that and taking responsibility to get yourself into the moment, into an authentic emotional response that is a response to the moment and and allowing the message your emotions are delivering to help you truly discern what's going on and guide your decision-making process. All of that is the absolute foundation for really a, a healthy emotional life. And There isn't anybody who can get there without a little bit of conscious work to get there. So people aren't living at emotional, you know, in a sort of a healthy emotional neutral and then shitty things happen and they get knocked off course. That's not healthy emotional neutral. If shitty things happen and you get knocked off course, you're reacting versus able to stand in the moment in your sovereignty and respond. Right? And... and, I'm speaking about the personal sphere. In other words, your ability to turn off your phone. <laughs> you know, I mean, take an action in your personal sphere. I am not saying that a black woman should be able to turn off systemic racism in her life. I'm just saying in, her, in the sphere of influence, for example, we should be able to respond and take charge of our emotions in that sphere of influence that makes us a person who can then do the next thing, which is recognize other people that are in that same place to create that same quality of connection and begin to work with them on that systemic racism or sexism or whatever tyranny out there is the <laughs> the work of the day. I mean, it's it's, it's really so abundant out there, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah I, mean, I think in relation to what you're talking about, I really appreciate this um, – in a book of of poetry by Claudia Rankine has an essay in it too, uh, uh, called "Citizen: An American Lyric," where she talks a lot about you know the experience of microaggressions moving through a day and the trauma response of feeling the need to swallow those microaggressions, and partly not just the trauma response because of real fear for your life too, in some ways as a as a black person but then the physical issues that you experience as a result of that, of swallowing that kind of hatred. Um, And so I feel in what you're saying, the difference between just sort of swallowing your emotions and continuing to move through your day versus having the tools and the spaciousness in your life to feel your own emotional intensity and allow it to be felt and expressed and move you into action without derailing you and without swallowing it down
1: you know and this is this uh, let me just jump in really quickly because this is reminding me of another quality so if you've ever watched a basically healthy child Um, flow through many strong intense emotions just as a response to what's going on in that life in the moment and how they can have these really big emotional uh, responses to something and then something else happens and it flows another way and they're literally flowing through these huge extremes right which most adults would find exhausting because they're not flowing anymore because they get into a strong emotion and get stuck there and then they feel pushed by this other strong emotion and then they get stuck there. And part of the reason they're getting stuck is exactly what you're talking about, right? Is that, that, that what can happen for any of us of a backlog, but to different degrees for different people in our culture, definitely, but this backlog of my own emotional, authentic, true, healthy emotional responses that I wasn't safe to express or that I have been unable to express for one reason or another, either in the moment or in the past, and how, how we're just in debt to our emotional voice. You know, we need to catch up. We need to allow those inner feelings to be expressed, to be released, to flow again, so we can get into this healthy, flexible, um, merc- mercurial Relationship with emotions, this this way of getting stuck in patterns, which is so unhealthy for us long term on our body, takes a huge toll on our body. Mm-hmm. Is um, you know is, is another one of those signs that we owe time to ourselves. You know, we owe a debt to ourselves and our own emotional being to get current again. With ourself, and, and I guess I really am speaking to that capacity to be emotionally current with yourself in a flawed world, knowing full well that when you go out into that world, there will be a day full of microaggressions. That 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 be getting emotionally current with ourself is possible, because I believe that the world itself, this this life that we've inherited, is fundamentally fair. And so life wouldn't be designed for us such that for some people they can never move to an emotionally healthy place. I don't believe that. And what I've seen through, you know, people's amazing capacity to transform through their heart is that ability to get to a place of internal health and well-being without requiring the whole world get there first.
0: I wonder if you could give an example of that from your own life when you were facing, you know, some kind of reality of the world that that marginalized you in some way that then through getting current with your own emotional relationship, you were able to be in a different relationship to that reality of the world and your own emotions.
1: So the, the first one that comes to mind, you know, because as a white woman, there, there you know, been ignorance to a lot of race things. So my real um, <laughs> challenge in life comes to me really through just the sexism and often misogyny that I experience. And I grew up in a very small town um, that was a blue-collar town, and um, sexism was alive and well and um, considered the entitlement <laughs> of the male population in this town and a lot of the females and this was really hard for me as a child um and I had a lot of overt sexism as I went through the school system for example et cetera, et etc I mean I don't have to describe how shitty that is to any woman out there and anyone of color it's the same it's just the microaggressions are countless and by the time I was a young in my 20s I was in such debt to my heart, out of the rage of being so unfairly put down, shoved aside, limited, whatever. I mean, we we all know the story, the and, but so enraged by it, um, that I was really starting to um, not only. Um, not that i connected this yet but i was showing physical health problems in my early 20s like way too young to be exp- but i was just really frankly in 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 just the lid on this constant rage about this every microaggression just threatening to boil that pot over and and this is also partly because in my own family which had many many blessings and privileges we did not deal with anger well we dealt with it by not dealing with it at all and so this 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 in many ways this understanding i have about how not dealing with emotions doesn't work comes largely because that was my family's pattern around anger and i was utterly unprepared to deal with with just the day in day out Inequality of being a woman in this world and wanting to do what I've come here to do. I mean, to today. I mean, I do do what I want to do, and it still brings me to tears. Struggling with that, and and again, not holding that up over anybody else's struggle with the microaggressions in their life. Just speaking to it, just the rage, and because I had learned. The clearing process that we teach here in at last mass center i i did have a tool to do begin to unpack that and try to do my own emotional labor around this because it really was crippling me is crippling me in all my connections so it was crippling me in my relationships but it was really crippling my body is really taking its toll rage that kind of rage is really hard on the body to carry and through that clearing process, because a piece of the clearing process is to ask yourself how you're doing the thing that is being done to you to yourself, I, I came to understand, I wish I could remember the details of it, but but really understanding this sort of mother load of my own um, rage directed at myself or some sort of unfair, unfairness, maybe given where it went, it was probably more like some... Uh, inability to see the real issue and and address it in a healthy way, something like that. I can't remember what it was, but some sort of huge insight came out of this clearing work. So the pattern got cleared, the old emotions got released, got current with whatever those old emotions were. And as I was sitting in the clarity that comes from a real, real emotional body clearing, I came to understand in that moment that every, everyone who is fighting against any kind of oppression in their life or just dealing with, just just endeavoring to let's say endeavoring to heal and resolve. i want to get out of fighting with. Endeavoring to resolve any oppression in their life is already ahead of the oppressor. But that's what I came to understand because the problem with being the oppressor is you really are clueless to the fact that there's a problem and you really are clueless to the fact that you are the problem and you are not being, because you're given all the privilege and entitlement in the system as the oppressor, you're blinded to how the ver- this, that very system you're upholding is keeping you a child in, a, in an unhealthy sense, You know, not allowing you to grow into adulthood, stand on your own two feet and carry your own weight, do your own emotional labor and be an adult. But systems of oppression infantilize whoever is the oppressor. And I saw that so clearly. And in my every cell of my body, I came to realize that I was ahead of the game of destiny, of living my destiny, because this oppression that I faced each day forced me to be aware there was a problem and to uh, begin to address that in myself. And so this is the same, a similar place when someone says, I'm not going to argue with you that sexism or racism or whatever exists because it's, it's not necessary. Like it is a waste of everybody's time and energy. I started realizing that all of my arguments about why I shouldn't be oppressed were a waste of my time because I was already ahead of that person who was oppressing me in th- in my thinking and that I needed to simply keep going and I needed to find those who were also keep going and build a world and this is really the basic that one clearing is the basis of everything in my life right now is I realized that I needed to find those people who had realized the same thing and they're all over the place who've realized oh I'm actually ahead of the game. What I want to do here is find others who get it and just build that new way and make it so beautiful and liberating and joyful and effective and intensely real that everybody's going to come over here and eventually, you know, we're going to be the party Everybody you know, and the other party over here of oppression is gonna die off. I mean, it's like it all unfolded for me right there from that one clearing of realizing I had I I didn't need to carry anybody's anger and childishness anymore. That I had work to do, I had a world to build, and I had to figure out how to become the person who could do that. And it just derailed me from even noticing. The sexism. I mean, I, I get it once in a while, especially if I'm reading a book written by someone who's really clueless about their sexism. I get tired of the voice that is. But my point is, it stopped getting in my way. It stopped being this big emotional response. It's something I notice, it's something I name, but it's, it, it, it stopped being so crippling, and it was crippling. So, you know, that's one clearing. but it turned everything around and it became the foundation to be able to get healthy and 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 then it okay sorry the next thing it did is then it put me on the path of realizing wow i'm pretty fucked up around anger i don't have a clue i have no idea what healthy anger looks like so now i need to go learn who could i find that could teach me wow not so many people out there who get that right i mean it just (laughs) it put me on the quest then Like, who doesn't want a quest? I mean, learning to express anger in a healthy way in America is pretty much equivalent to Frodo needing to drag that ring back into the (laughs) volcano. I mean, it is an impossible quest, right? But you do it because you're just a hobbit, and you're the only one who can, right? So, I mean, in a sense, that's our quest for all of us, is to become the person who can live your destiny and to recognize in that process that um, your heart recognizes all those other crazy beings that are on that quest as well. Like we're all carrying our ring, right to the to the mountain to burn it because it was this. It's um, given to us. I didn't want to use that word, but it's like this curse we've inherited from the unresolved energy of our ancestors, and that we need to we need to dump that ring man we got work to do like get that sucker in the volcano <laughs> this this emotional repression is that ring it's like just get it in the volcano and get your power back because our the quality of our connections through authentic emotional responses is the intimacy that builds the hardiness and the resiliency of the kind of relationships that that new world is built on. And without those relationships, there is no foundation for that new world. And I think that's what she was saying in her Instagram post.
0: Mm-hmm. Not to be mm-hmm.
1: presumptuous, but it seems to me that's what she was saying. is you know, it's, it's not about needing connections, it's about the quality of these connections suck. I mean, she didn't say that, but I'm paraphrasing now. And they're not adequate for the world we want to create. You know, If if you want to call yourself my ally, then, well, one, don't. But on the other hand, just build the quality of connection with me that allows me to trust you intimately to place my destiny in your hands and yours in mine, you know, to build that world together. It's no less than that. I guess that's the piece that people seem to not quite grasp is it isn't anything less than building the quality of relationships that are so intensely intimate that we we interweave our destinies
0: yes and i think that's so everything you just said i really appreciate but specifically that quality of the way we interweave our destinies i think has so much to do with the quality of our relationship with our own heart, because if we're not in a reliable relationship with our emotions and a relationship of trust with our heart, then it's really hard to be trustworthy when interweaving our destinies with each other. Well, it's and impossible, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And I guess in in my own life, I'm just really feeling how you know so much of my journey was. Getting emotionally current, and I and that was such a radical thing just to do that. That kind of makes you like almost a superhuman in this culture in some way, (laughs) right? And not that I'm in like a place where I'm perfectly emotionally current all the time, but but I'm drastically in a different place than I was, you know, ten years ago when I started these teachings, so to speak. And so, um, there's this there there's this other journey though. Then that I was required to take. And I think in some ways I'm still exploring around after you're in more of a place where you're mostly your normal is to be emotionally current, then really feeling into exactly what you were talking about in terms of letting our emotions move us into action in each moment. And sometimes that being very intense. And I guess I'm I'm curious if there's anything you wanted to say about when we're in that place and we're having a real authentic emotional response that's very intense maybe it's anger maybe it's deep grief and we're in relationship you know intimate relationship with others maybe like a close partner or family member or friend or someone we're collaborating with what is our sort of responsibility in terms of our emotional hygiene within that relationship and connection um, while working to stay current and embody our emotions and let them move us in each moment
1: so so my my sense about that is so if, if I'm in that place of basically authentic healthy emotional response to what's going on and, and, and big intense you know emotions are rising what? What colonizing the emotions and the heart does is it makes us believe that there's nothing valid to pay attention to there. So so the, the hallmark, I think, of this healthy emotional life or a person who's in a healthy relationship with their emotions is that I trust that my true responses in the moment are delivering critical information that my mind isn't seeing yet and these and that information is all, is almost always about the energetic patterns that are happening in the moment so in other words for most of us anger rises and we get caught up in the drama of the anger instead of recognizing that right at that moment of the anger beginning to rise is the moment in which your boundaries are beginning to be violated and if you catch that message as the anger begins to rise, you get, okay, my boundaries are about to be violated. And then the next question, if you're actually tracking and not getting lost in the emotions, is what boundaries? Is it my physical boundary my physical space? Is it emotional boundaries? Is someone trying to suck me into doing their emotional labor for them? Are they mental boundaries? Is someone trying to cram their ideas down my throat or or put words into my mouth? Is there something going around no ideas? Or some sort of spiritual um uh boundary being violated? We got a lot of boundaries and those are just the four main ones. There's a lot of boundaries when we start talking about what's the nature of this relationship. Is it my intimate relationship at home? Is it a work relationship? Is it a friend? So there's lots of boundaries. All the anger is saying to you is, you know, danger. Will Robinson, boundary being <laughs> violated. But your will. You got to figure out what boundaries being violated. So if I can do that in like two seconds, or maybe split seconds. Now, all of a sudden, I have information that's going to inform how I'm responding to what's going on in this moment, in the moment, not after I've gone home and processed it and blah, 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 blah. you know, I mean, so we stop having this, this backlog of the inability to respond to the emotions that happen in the moment, overwhelm us with homework we have to do every night. But in the moment, I can say yes or no, which is, you know, the boundary language. In the moment, as the sadness is rising I can check in and see what is what is the nature of this sadness what is there something being lost is there something that I care about or value that's being challenged like all of these emotions if they're responses in the moment are trying to deliver a message and when our head is running the show we are not listening for those messages when we are more positioned in our heart with the head being, you know, like the heart being more like the submarine and the head is a bit like a periscope or something, right? <laughs> but it's not driving the show. It's just paying attention, right? Um, then then we're, we're interested in the messages coming in from the emotional field because it's helping us to discern more accurately what is actually going on in this moment. And in particular, what is going on under the surface of what is directly being said because often what the emotions are doing is responding to what is incongruent and being double signaled. All of the messages where someone is saying one thing, but actually doing or meaning another. So our emotions are often rising up. Well, I mean, on the good days when beautiful things are happening, joy is rising up. Um, You know, Uh, desire for deeper connection celebration wanting to just stand up with that person and dance i mean yes there there are days where emotions arise and we should just follow the emotion into the activity that is being asked for okay but mostly we're talking about the other kinds of emotions are hard and they're not so welcome and we have a tendency to want to push them away we have a tendency to not want them and thus not get their message And so that's what I feel is that possibility in being in this healthy relationship with our emotional responses is we receive the message and move on. And so I'm not stuck in the anger that was trying to tell me there's a boundary violation going on right here. I've gone split second from boundary violation to a no thank you to, a, oh, and actually, I really feel like you're trying to suck me into doing this kind of emotional labor for you. And and that's really not mine to do. And so this project that we're working on would be able to, you know, I mean, like you start to have a conversation where that input from your emotional information is informing what you're saying, what you're doing, how you're talking about what's going on, and engaging with people around you. I feel so much sadness when our project starts to go off in this direction. There is something that we value, or at least I value, that is being missed in this, whatever we're doing here together at work, when the project goes in this direction. So let's take a moment and explore that. And if it's just me, maybe I'm on the wrong project. Like, these are just totally made up possibilities of what a conversation could sound like if I'm willing in, in the moment, in all of my conversations, to let my emotions deliver the message that they're trying to deliver. Because when they do, they recede. And the next emotion rises up. Oh, you are willing? You felt the sadness too? Oh, and you actually felt anger? Wow, this team really values this thing what are we missing what it was it that we all value we're not even talking about and then we talk about that and maybe it changes the whole direction of that project that you're working on you realize it can't just be a handbook right it has to be a multimedia learning tool okay great we have a better we have a better product now so in my point is listening to your emotions in the long run okay listening to anything extra takes more time granted but doing it in a healthy way ultimately saves time because what you create, whether it's your relationship with your lover with your child at your work group or you're creating in the world is is a creation that will have legs in the new world that we're trying to create And right now we shouldn't be creating anything that doesn't have legs
0: mm-hmm yeah <laughs> too much work <laughs>
1: doesn't have legs, don't bother, because we all need to move.
0: Yes, yeah. And, yeah, that's just so, it's, it's making me think, too, about other reasons that, for me, in my process, I wasn't listening to my emotions. Because, in a way, you know, I'm a double Pisces. I'm pretty emotional, you know, person. <laughs> Listen to my emotions a lot. But what took me out of my own emotional experience was, you know, patterns of this sort of highly mature, wounded child stuff of managing others' emotions around me for a long time versus really listening to what my own emotions were guiding me to do as a you know, childish defense mechanism. Like if it matters more what the adults around me are feeling than what I'm feeling because they're the ones who could hurt me you know, or they're the ones mm-hmm. who can take care of me or can't. So mm-hmm. really needing to recognize that and give that up was really important. And there's a great podcast you did about that um, that people can check out on the highly mature wounded child archetype. Um,
1: you know, like I said, I was going to say I, these. I, I keep trying to get here, and then I keep wandering off into. This is just such a big topic, but I think you know, like for a challenge for this week, mm-hmm. I think there's four, at least four, kind of mental patterns that keep us out of this authentic, responsive relationship with our emotions. And the first one is fundamentalist thinking, and and I mean this in spiritual communities i mean i mean it everywhere fundamentalist thinking is a way of thinking it's not about what you're thinking about it's not like people who see that see jesus in that light are fundamentalists it's about people think about can think about anything in a fundamental way right and so fundamental thinking you can like you know, vegan fundamentalism, <laughs> you know, whatever kind of, you know, meditation fundamentalism, but just this, this fundamental thinking that is closed off to connecting equally with others that are especially those that are different from you, that fundamentalist thinking, what I call fantasism, I made mm. that word up, but basically it's the people that are no longer taking responsibility for tracking what is true and false and are just making up whatever reality they want to live in and then beating everybody else up who doesn't want to live in it with them. Like mm-hmm. someone who actually believes they need to wear a mask right now is, is, is fear-based and completely fucked up, right? It's like, excuse me? <laughs> Biology. Um, anyway, so fundamentalism, fantasism, that, that just abandoning your responsibility for tracking true and false, you know, fact-checking right addiction yes addiction everyone even your favorite ones you socially normalized and no longer consider addictions anymore addiction keeps you away from your heart period addictive relationships whether it's media whether whatever addictions and then the final one is is harder for people to see because it's so deeply normalized but is you projecting your reality onto others And then holding them responsible for what you perceive they have done and that's basically and the the biggest in the spiritual communities right now it's some version of essentially accusing everybody else of being driven by (laughs) (laughs) Watiko. which when you do that you're actually being driven by Watiko. because that that it shows a lack of understanding to project it out there because it's all about Wutiko is all about getting lost in your projections.
0: I have Come to laugh every time I see that. This person is so wutiko. They're <laughs> like,
1: "Okay, missed it entirely, and now <laughs> confirming yourself there." So those those are those are the four things to look at in yourself. Is are you fundamental, righteous, and positional about certain things? Are you a fantasist? Are you just choosing to not do the work anymore to get the lies that we all live in? Um, addiction. And like you were saying, that overwhelm of, of media, well, some of that is people's own addiction. Like, they're overwhelmed by it, but God forbid you should turn off your phone for four hours. Can't miss that post, right? That's addiction. <laughs> and, um, I mean, unless you actually have a job that requires you track some blog you just posted. I mean, I realize for some authors that's true these days, but that's not everybody's excuse, Right? And then the final one is just this this free, free, freely projecting onto others without really checking yourself and noticing, are, aren't you actually doing exactly what you're blaming other people for doing? These all keep us out of our heart. And they are strategized to keep us out of our heart. this This is the system that keeps you out of your heart. those four things.
0: So the challenge this week is to, to look at those systems and, and see if we can, you know, identify some of those behaviors.
1: In ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Again, not in others.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent. Thank you, Christina. This is wonderful. I really appreciate you sharing this with us.
1: Thank you, Langston.
0: Okay. So we thank the – well, I'll just take a moment to say that next week we'll be back and we'll be talking about um, – how do we begin to center the wisdom of the heart again in our practices? And what are the gifts and opportunities we can unlock when we do in our communities and our movements and in the world? Like what's possible if we're recentering the heart? So I hope you'll join us for that conversation, Yay! If, yeah. <laughs> we give thanks to the spirits, the land and the good, true and beautiful ancestors, especially those who knew what it was to, embody their wild courageous hearts in turbulent challenging times and not abandon their hearts or the hearts of others and we give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and that big beautiful courageous wild heart that unites us all